Welcome to God's Truth. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to flood the world with God's truth. We welcome you here today as we continue in our study this year in 2023 of the New Testament of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Most of this year so far, we've been looking at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. We have now the past few weeks been looking at the Acts of the Apostles uh, as recorded in the book of Acts, which was volume two of Luke's writings, and which is detailing uh, the, some of the uh, stories about the early apostles. And now we're starting to get a lot of main focus being on the apostle Paul. What a great, mighty apostle he was of God, as God declared in the Doctrine and Covenants, Paul mine apostle. So it didn't matter what the rest of the church thought of him in his day. It didn't matter what the Quorum of the Twelve, what the Presidency of the Seventy, what the Quorum of the Seventy thought about Paul. Paul, according to the Lord and the Doctrine and Covenants, was one of his apostles. And ultimately, that's what really matters in life. It's not matters what administrative calling you may or may not hold. Is what does God think of you and how is God using you and how are you making yourself available to be used by God? Are you making yourself available to be used as Paul was or, or you know, to the best of your ability? And uh, we can see that God can do mighty things through those who are willing to open their hearts and allow God to work through them. So we will continue with Paul, the mighty apostle to the Gentiles in this week's lesson and of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He sits enthroned at the right hand of the Heavenly Father in great splendor and glory and majesty. Let's study about his apostle, Paul. Okay, so let's look now. Uh, we're going to review uh, chapter 21. Uh, last week we had some technical uh, issues with the uh, video. And uh, we were not uh, able to get that to broadcast. But uh, uh, chapter 21 is a very important chapter leading into uh, today's uh, lesson. Uh, Paul was uh, uh, felt led by the Holy Ghost to go to Jerusalem. Uh, he was warned by the prophet Agabus, who uh, came up to him in Caesarea and uh, took his girdle and uh, wrapped his hands and said, Thus saith the Lord God, uh, the Holy Spirit, that you know, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. But uh, Paul, nevertheless, uh, was determined to go to Jerusalem. He goes to Jerusalem. And let's look at uh, chapter 21. And let's begin in, uh, in verse, let's see here. Let's begin with one, um, uh, 17. And when we were come to Jerusalem, so this is Luke speaking, right? Luke when came along with Paul. The brethren received us gladly. So they go to Jerusalem, the Quorum of the Twelve, the Seventy, the First Presidency of the Seventy. They all welcome him gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto the president of the church, James. Now, this is not James, the brother of John. It's always important to keep this in mind. This is not James, the brother of John, one of the apostles. He had already been uh, beheaded by Herod uh, Back to chapter 12. This is James, the brother of Jesus, uh, the president of the church, the follower of Jesus and leading the uh, administration of the church. He will then be led by uh, Jesus' other brother. He'll be followed by Jesus' other brother, Simon, and even Jude, uh, his third brother. Remember, all three serve as 
apostles. Uh, Jude's going to write the epistle of Jude, which we'll get to later on. And James is going to write that great epistle of James. So they go to the brethren, to the quorum of the twelve, and and uh, went unto President James, and all the elders were present. When sometimes here in Acts they use elders, all the elders are present, meaning the quorum of the twelve, and the presidency of the seventy, and the seventy as well. And when he had saluted them, when James had saluted them, he declared particularly, and, and then Paul declares particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. So again, trying to show James, God has been with me. I'm one of his apostles. I know you haven't called me to be to serve in the Quorum of the Twelve. I know you don't like me. I know you don't appreciate the things I'm teaching and about Jesus, your brother. But, uh, you know, I'm seeing Jesus. He keeps appearing to me. We know he's seen him at least three times here, as is what we'll learn from Acts and, and in his epistles. So refer to seeing Jesus, you know, pretty much uh, regularly. And, as, and he's saying he's getting all his information and all his teachings directly from the resurrected uh, Jesus Christ. So, so I, you know, but let me tell you what all the, what's happening among the Gentiles, right? And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the Lord. <laughs> so James is telling, so Paul's trying to tell James, the president of the church and the quorum of the 12 apostles here, uh, you know, all the great things that God's doing in the Gentiles uh, who are not keeping the law of Moses, how he's bringing thousands of them uh, unto the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as their Lord and Savior, and that the, none of them are keeping the law of Moses, right? Then immediately they start arguing that, well, look how many people are keeping the law of Moses and are accepting Jesus Christ, because that's going to, you know, as, as we're continuing to see, that's the main debate. They've been living, the Jews have been living, the gospel of G, uh, the the law of Moses for you know a couple of thousand years now. It's hard for them to, to to suddenly just give up the law of Moses. They think that that you have to keep the law of Moses, right? They make it. James, the president of the church, makes an exception for the Gentiles that as long as they abstain from uh, uh, fornication and from eating things strangled uh, uh, and the sacrifice to false idols, and most of the meat was sacrificed to false idols. So basically he's telling them they can't eat meat in their Gentile cities. As long as they don't do that, they can join the church. However, he's still stressing that the superiority here is ideally that you want to keep the law of Moses. And we know James was very uh, strict in keeping the law of Moses uh, all the way into his death. In fact, he's so well known in keeping the law of Moses. We're talking to 613 commandments. Not just the things you can't do, but all the positive things you should be doing. He's doing it so well, keeping the law of Moses so well, that not only is he recognized as the president of the church, but he's recognized by the Jews as the opposition high party, uh, uh, the opposition party high priest. And in fact, even the uh, the uh, Jewish historian Josephus says that the reason the Romans were able to come in and conquer Jerusalem because they killed James, the brother of Jesus, who was the you know the righteous one. Uh, you know, and, and so forth, because he was so well known for keeping this law of Moses. And the Quorum of the Twelve are keeping the law of Moses. They're not giving up this law of Moses. Paul's going around saying, you don't have to keep the law of Moses. Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses. The law of Moses pointed to Jesus. It's no longer required. Uh, and we'll see this all in the letters coming up in the coming weeks, and we'll show how the evangelicals, uh, the current evangelical Christians have no idea 
no idea what the argument is here in the New Testament. And they have no idea what Paul's talking about when he talks about faith versus works. The works is not keeping the Ten Commandments, folks. The works is doing the 613 commandments of Moses. You're not saved by doing the works of the law. See, in Christianity, you're, you're sinless until you sin. However, in Judaism, you become righteous through the things that you do. You do the works of the law, you become righteous. So every time Paul talks about faith and works, as we'll see coming up, he's not talking about just believing in Jesus and not keeping the Ten Commandments. He would never argue it's, it's, it's not important to keep the Ten, Ten Commandments. He would he would argue it is very important to keep the Ten Commandments. So, so the whole thing is about this law of Moses. Okay, so right away they want to say, well, but look how many of us are keeping the law of Moses, and yet we're becoming Christians. They say that right away to uh, to Paul here. They, and um, it says, thou seest, brother Paul, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law, the zealous of the law of Moses. And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles, to forsake Moses. So the, this is the this, this is the members of the church, right? The members of the church uh, that are joining or that are zealous for the law of Moses are getting offended that Paul's going around telling them they don't have to keep the law of Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs or the law of Moses. What is it, therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Let's have a meeting. Let's hear what you have to say about this. Let's let them see, Paul, that you keep the law of Moses. That's the James command here. We don't know what else is involved here. We don't know whether James is threatening him with excommunication from the church or what's going on here. But they view Paul as an apostate because Paul is teaching not to keep the law of Moses. That is apostasy. Uh, in, in some ways, you can say that Paul was the first apostate. Now, we see that God justified Paul 2,000 years later in the Doctrine and Covenants and the revelation given to the prophet Joe Smith in which he said that Paul was his apostle. So we saw earlier in Acts when he saw Jesus that he was then told by Ananias that he would, he's been called by God to preach in his name to all the nations and to the kings and, and rulers and magistrates. So he's on a mission from the Lord. It's too bad that the 12 apostles can't uh, can't come to terms with this. Uh, but he is exactly doing what God's telling him to do. And we see what happened. 2,000 years later, we know which form of Christianity won out, don't we? Uh, if it hadn't been for, for Paul, there is no Christianity. We are all Jews keeping the law of Moses while accepting that Jesus was, was the Jewish Messiah, right? but that we're keeping the law of Moses. If it had not been for Paul, the reason we don't have to keep the 613 commandments of Moses and, and try to perform animal sacrifices and all these things was because of Paul. That's how powerful Paul was in not even of, of being rejected for being a member of the 12, uh, being a member of the 70, and yet he was able to form uh, Christianity into its own religion and to finally do away with this law of Moses and we'll see, we'll see so much of this coming up in the weeks to come as we get into his letters. Okay, do therefore this that we say to thee. So James is commanding him to do this. We have four men which have a, 
a vow on them, a vow according to the law of Moses. Them take and purify itself with them and be in charges with them that they may shave their heads and all may know that that those things were if they were informed concerning you. So you do these th prescriptions that allow Moses, then they'll know that the rumors they heard about you teaching that it's not important, that, that they don't have to keep the law of Moses. They'll find out that those rumors are not true. Wink, wink. Because James knows the truth here. They've been fighting each other, you know, for, for several years now. He says, uh, but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest. The law of Moses, as touching the Gentiles which believe, and so he wants to emphasize again here. I already made the the decision for the church, and so he just repeats it for the Gentiles. They don't have to keep the law of Moses. We have written and concluded that they observe no such thing save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication now we're going to see in the epistles of paul he doesn't agree with james here does he he's going to even insult james in the quorum of the 12 he's going to call them he's going to say that they have weak consciences the fact that they forbid to eat meat that the meat sacrificed to idols that idols don't exist they're they're nothing so just because meat was sacrificed to idols that doesn't mean you, you know you shouldn't be able to eat it however if James or the Quorum of the Twelve are around and you're going to offend them by eating meat sacrificed to idols, it's best not to not to do that in their presence. He's going to go ahead and argue that later on. So once again, there's like another wink, wink. You know, Paul, we told you that they should not be eating meat. But he's been telling them it's okay to go ahead and eat meat. Okay, then Paul took the man and the next day purify himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them, again, according to the law of Moses, even though Christ had come. Okay, and so when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews, which were of Asia, from Asia Minor, when they saw Paul in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help, this is the man that teacheth all men everywhere. So they had heard him preach in their synagogues that you don't have to keep the law of Moses. He teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law, the law of Moses, and this place, the temple. And further, even brought Greeks also into the temple and have polluted this holy place. For they had seen him before with him in the city Trophimus and Ephesium, whom they supposed that Paul brought into the temple. So they heard he brought in four people into the temple. They thought it was <laughs> that they were all Gentiles. And so they get all upset here, and, they, and the Romans, the centurion has to come down and and save Paul here, and then Paul's going to begin this speech here in chapter 22. Chapter 22, 1 through 16. This is Paul speaking now on the steps. Man, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue, and to them they kept the more silence, right? They were shocked. They'd heard that he was... He was from uh, Saul of Tarsus, right? That Paul was from uh, Tarsus, outside Israel, that he only spoke Greek. And he's shocked that he can speak Hebrew as, as well. It's really not Hebrew, it's Aramaic, which is a form close, uh, language close to Hebrew. But uh, nevertheless, they're using Hebrew here to make it simplified. I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. 
Yeah, brought up in this city. I was brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, this is powerful stuff here because they all knew that Gamaliel was the great rabbi. He was the, their chief, basically kind of like the chief of their, the president of the, of the Jewish religion. They all knew Gamaliel. Saying, I was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, the greatest scholar in, in Jewish history. He says, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, the law of Moses. And I was zealous, zealous meaning that they were big into keeping this law of Moses, toward God as ye are all this day. And I even persecuted this way. That was a member of the first name of the Christians, this way. Unto death, binding and delivering in pr to prisons both men and women. As also the high priest, even the high priest doth bear me witness I was doing that. And all, all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh to Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. So he goes into his uh, talking about his heavenly vision here of seeing Jesus Christ. And I fell into the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered and said, Who are you, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of Jesus Christ. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus. And there should be told thee of all things which are appointed for you to do. And when I could not see for the glory that light, so he was then blinded, and he had to be led by those who had been accompanying him to Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, he was the bishop of the place, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood unto me and said, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour, I looked up upon him, being able to now see. And he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen you, that you should know his will and see that just one, Jesus Christ, and should hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you tearing? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. So then he talks about seeing the next vision here, of Jesus Christ, who uh, uh, appeared to him while he prayed in the temple. And uh, basically said, you know, don't, don't worry. I've got, uh, got uh, you know, you're going to go out here and you're going to preach to the Gentiles. And in uh, verse 22, and I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Okay, so let's now move to chapter 23. 23, and we'll look at 1 through 11. And Paul earnestly beholding the council, so so they bring him into the council now uh, for further uh, interrogation. And Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. Powerful words. How great would it be? And how we should always live up to that or to that ideal to be able to also say the same that Paul did, to be able to say that we have lived in all good conscience before God, even till today. 
And the high priest, Ananias, commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth when they heard that. Because they, you know, they hate him. They hate Jesus Christ. They hate the Christians. Why is this Paul going out preaching Jesus Christ? So smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, and he speaks like Jesus Christ. Here isn't it great when the prophets speak like Jesus Christ. God shall smite thee, thou, thou witted wall. Right? Exactly the kind of thing Jesus Christ would say. For sittest thou to judge me after the law, Moses, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law, Moses. And they that stood by said, Are you reviling God's high priest? And said, and Paul said, I didn't know that he was the high priest. <laughs> because if, if he were, I would be, you know, I, you know it's a joke here, right? I, I didn't know he was a high priest because certainly not acting like it. Because here he's trying to condemn me. You know, against the you know against the law, he says. Um, you know, even the law says, "Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people." But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cries out in the castle. So he sees that half were Pharisees, half Sadducees. So he decides to play one group against the other here. Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee. So he's trying to go after the Pharisee the support here. I'm the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I'm called into question. The reason that I'm here, you know, he's trying to move this the issue away from Jesus Christ. I mean, still Jesus Christ is the central focus of that fact that Jesus rose from the dead. But they're calling me in here because of the resurrection, that I believe in, in teaching the resurrection. Sadducees don't believe that. In verse 8, for the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. But the Pharisees confess both uh, that uh, there's a resurrection and there's in their spirits. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose and strove, saying, We don't find any evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Great wisdom there. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. And the night following, the, the Lord for the third time, right, stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified in me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome, right? Okay. Let's move to chapter 24. Okay, so then further we get uh, here where they um, they send him down to Caesarea. Uh, then they're about to well, well, they're about to first kill him, right? And so they, uh, but his nephew finds out. He goes, and Paul tells him, "Go, hey, go tell the centurion." So he goes and tells the centurion, and so then they make arrangements to take a, a you know a whole group of you know the the you know a couple hundred soldiers to get Paul down to Caesarea out of Jerusalem, so they can't uh, plot to kill him. Okay, so now moving to chapter 24, 10, verses 10. Okay, and so here they try to say that uh, um, in verse 5, that, you know, they send down uh, this uh, uh, this um, orator, so they hire a professional orator to really try to, to uh, prosecute their case here against Paul. It says in verse 5, 
For we have found this man a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition among the Jews throughout the world and the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Because, you know, the Christians came out of Nazareth. That's where Jesus and the early apostles were from. Uh, who has also gone out about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. Okay, so now it's Paul's turn to defend himself here in verse 10. Then Paul, after that the governor beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been a many years a judge unto this nation, the Jewish nation, I do the, the more cheerfully answer for myself, because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. This is just, it just, just happened 12 days ago. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man. I wasn't arguing with any men in the temple. Uh, neither I didn't raise up people to rebel against the against Rome or, or anybody. Neither in the synagogues nor in the city. Neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and of the unjust. And herein do I excuse my, um, do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. What another great thing here, Paul, right? We should all make that our goal. As well, to have always have a conscience void of offense toward God and fellow, our fellow man. And now after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings. You know, they had having a famine in the land. He raised money from the Gentiles to come down and help the Jews. Whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude the, nor with tumult, who ought to have been here before thee and object if they had ought against me, but they didn't even bother to show up. Or else let those same here say, if they have found any evil in me while I stood before the council, except to be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I'm called in the question before you this day. So he's trying to get elicit that Pharisee uh, um, support. He wants the Pharisees on his side, that he's being uh, persecuted here because of his belief in the resurrection. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. I'll find out more from him when he comes down. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintances, the minister, or to come unto him. So they were allowed to visit him. After certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusella, which was a Jew, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judge, judgment to come, Felix trembled, right? And that's why we teach and warn the wicked of the judgment to come so that they may fear. And hopefully their fear leads to them uh, bowing down and uh, repenting of their sins and accepting the Lord. And uh, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. He hoped also that money should have been given him a Paul. So he's trying to give Paul an excuse to get some people to get together, get some money to give to him. Then he'd be willing to release him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener. He even kept sending for Paul and, and communed with him a lot, hoping that Paul was going to come up with some money. 
to, to bribe him here. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room. So, he, if he, so Festus takes over from Felix, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound um, you know, under uh, arrest here. Okay, so then in uh, 25, it uh, talks about Paul before Festus. He appeals unto Caesar and, and Herod Agrippa des uh, desires to hear uh, what Paul has to say. So we'll look at uh, 26 here. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know that you're an expert. <laughs> I know that you are an expert in all the customs and questions which are among the Jews, and yet you're sleeping with your sister. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Sister was quite quite the uh, uh, quite the woman here. I we're not sure if she just was power hungry, uh, but uh, she had several incestuous relationships uh, with family members uh, who were who were leaders over different areas of, of the world at that time, of the land of Ju of, uh, of uh, Jerusalem and, and Judea and Israel. Uh, but apparently, nobody could satisfy her sexually as well as her brother. Herod Agrippa. Okay, so he knows that, uh, <laughs> and yet Paul said, you know, we know that you're an expert in all the customs, all the law of Moses. <laughs> okay, let's continue on, and he says, um, my manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. So all the Jews know, because I was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. Verse 5, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Nazareth, of the Jesus of Nazareth, uh, which thing I did in Jerusalem and many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto foreign cities. Whereupon I was sent, I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. And now he's going to tell his testimony again. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me, and then was journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear 
unto thee. Doesn't matter whether James wants to accept you as a member of the quorum of the twelve. Doesn't matter if James doesn't want to call you as one of the presidents of the assembly. Doesn't matter if James doesn't want to call you as one of the, the quorum, one of the quorum members of the seventy. I, Jesus Christ, am calling you to be my witness and to go forward and teach what I am to put into your heart and into your mind to preach in my name. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Stop worshiping those false gods of the, of the Roman and Greek religion and come unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Where, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I went forward. I did the best of my ability to, to follow what Jesus told me. But show first unto them at Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. You see? <laughs> Evangelicals. <laughs> we need to read that one again here for you. That they should repent and turn to God. And is that it? Just repent and turn to God and just say you believe and, and, and somehow you're saved? No. Do works meet for repentance. Show your true faith by the way you keep. Now here he even says the, the works, right? Works mean the law of Moses, right? <laughs> so he's trying to, now he's on defense here, right? So he doesn't want to be accused here teaching against the law of Moses. But, so works meet for repentance. But he would, uh, but he's really trying to say that, you know, the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. You should, should still show forth that you have faith in Jesus Christ by the way you keep the Ten Commandments. Here, he's, here in his trial is using works of the law, the law, the law of Moses, because he's trying to, you know, get out of this situation, right? Okay, for these causes, the Jews caught me into the temple and were about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue into this day, witnessing both to small and great, say none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. I only preach the Old Testament. There's no two, there's no New Testament at this point. I'm only teaching the Old Testament. That Christ should suffer. We learn this from the Old Testament. And that he should be the fir first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. Uh, much learning doth make you crazy. Matt here being the same word for, for crazy, right? So, Paul, you're starting to sound like you're crazy. You have Clearly, you understand a lot of stuff. You're very intelligent, uh, but much learning has made you crazy. But he said, I am not crazy, most noble Festus, but I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth, for King Agrippa knoweth of these things before whom also I speak freely. For I'm persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. No, I've been out in all the synagogues and in all the cities preaching. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And before he had a chance to respond, he says, I know that you believe. <laughs> That's great, right? Okay, he says, uh, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost you persuade me to be a Christian, right? Now, there have been kind of some 
dual interpretations here. There's some people who think that that he's like somehow caught up here and and um, and is like totally being touched by the spirit of God and and like Paul's almost really persuading him to be a Christian. Now it appears based on what we just looked at with Festus. They're mocking him, right? They're, they're mocking him. Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Well, Festus was just calling you crazy, right? And the guy next to me here is calling you, saying that much learning has made you crazy. And now I'm saying, you know, you're almost making me want to become a Christian. He's mocking him, right? I know they've been the sincere leaders of the leaders of churches and, and so forth who do their best. And they've taught that, like, he was almost converted here. But no, no, he's mocking He's mocking Paul just as Festus had just called him crazy. So here, uh, here King Agrippa is mocking Paul by saying, "Look, you're almost making me become a Christian while I'm sleeping with my sister and you know, and all kinds of that wickedness going on, you know, uh, uh, here." So okay, so let's continue on here, and he says, um, and then Paul says, "Paul, Paul, go, Paul, Paul does great response here, right?" Says and and uh, Paul said, "I would to God that not only you, but also all those that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am, except in these bonds." <laughs> Good job, Paul. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor and Bernice, so Bernice the sister, <laughs> Good Bernice here, right? Let's keep it in the family. And uh, the governor and Bernice. Uh, and they that sat with them, and when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, this man, you know, the, the reality is this man really not doing anything worthy of death or bonds. He might be crazy. You know, we, we think he's crazy here, what he's talking about. He just thinks he saw a dead guy appear to him when he was on his way to Damascus at some heavenly, heavenly light. You know, so he, he might be crazy, but... He, he hasn't done anything that deserves punishment or deserves to, you know, be killed or, or anything. And he says here in 32, Then said King Agrippa unto Festus, He might have been set at liberty, but he appealed unto Caesar. But, of course, that's the divine will at this point because he needs to go preach to Rome, as, as Jesus had already declared that he wanted him to go preach in Rome. Okay, chapter 27, we're going to get some prophecies of Paul here. So they're on their way now on the ships and going to Rome. Uh, verse 9. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. So Paul tried, you know, the, the, uh, the spirit, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's, it's almost impossible to, have, to truly have the testimony of Jesus and not prophesy. Then he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the landing and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And what sad thing it is that even in today's world, people would rather listen to their neighbor or listen to their friends or listen to their family members, rather than listening to the servants of God. Okay, let's pick back up here in 19. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. 
And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, so now they're, again, they're in the storm. They haven't seen the sun and stars for many days. And no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. We all thought we were going to die. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. So again, what happens when you don't follow the teachings of the servants of God? Well, you're going to set yourselves up for harm and loss as they did here and had to suffer the consequences. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss, so again prophesying here, no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. We're going to lose the ship, but none of you shall be lost. Uh, your life, you know, none of you are going to die. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Don't fear, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sell with thee. Uh, we're going to save all of them and save you because you need to preach to uh, Caesar. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, and we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded and found it some twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it at fifteen fathoms. Then, fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stem and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul brought them, uh, besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that he have tarried and continued fast and haven't taken nothing. Uh, that's tough, right? Fourteen days is, it's been since they, 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 they've eaten the meal. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not a hair of the, the uh, there's not a hair fall from the head of any of you. Another prophecy of Paul here. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all a good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were in all the ship, 276 souls. And when they had eaten enough and lighted the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea, and when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded if it were possible to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rubber bands and hoisted up the uh, mainsail to the wind and made towards shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. So ship ran aground. And the four parts stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape, because if they escape from their charge, then they will be killed. But a centurion's willing to save Paul kept, uh, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. So those who could swim, go ahead, jump in and, and swim to land. And the rest, some on boards, 
and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to the land, thus fulfilling these prophecies of the Apostle Paul. Excuse me one moment, I get a drink here. Okay, so we got chapter 28 here, and this will finish up the book of Acts. And we'll get ready next week to start to look at the epistles of Paul, beginning with the powerful epistle of Romans. Okay, so chapter 28 in verse 1. And when they were escaped, they then knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. They were very kind. They came out to, to meet them. They kindled a fire. Uh, because of the present rain and because that it was cold, uh, cold temperature. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, they came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hands. Let's first look yeah, maybe at um, Mark 16. Let's uh, keep your hand, uh, keep your finger here in Acts 28. And let's go ahead and look at the book of Mark. The end of Mark in chapter 16 of Mark. Okay, one second here. In 16, um, this is the end of the gospel of Mark. And Jesus is preaching uh, to the 12 apostles. And he's telling them in verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, we looked at some possible implications of what that means previously. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And watch this in verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. So if you truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, these signs shall follow you. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. We already saw Paul casting out uh, devils earlier in Acts. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So here we got Paul, right, in terms of the um, take up serpents. So he takes up the serpent here. A viper out of the heat, fire out of the, the heat of the fire and fastened on Paul's hand. And when the barbarians saw the poisonous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man must be cursed by, by some kind of God. He must be a murderer uh, whom throw he escaped to sea, yet vengeance suffer him not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. How bet they looked when he should have swallowed So now they keep looking at him because they think, oh, he should swell up and die or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, he must be a god. <laughs> In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us in lodges for three days, courteously after the fact that they thought he was now a god because serpents can't bite him uh, and, and kill him. He, he survived. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flukes, to whom Paul entered in and prayed, and, according to Mark 16, laid his hands on them, and they should recover, right? And he healed him, right? So when this was done, others 
also which had diseases in the island, came and were again healed by the laying on of hands in accordance with Mark 16, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. And then they continue on there where they went next and next. And um, let's see. So then they get close to Rome here. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, when the brethren in the church at Rome heard that we had arrived, they came to meet us as far as the, the, the Appy Forum and the three taverns who when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. So the chief of the Jews in, in Rome. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Man and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or the customs of our fathers against the law of Moses, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. But when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. So yet, you know, for the hope of Israel, yet I wanted to get here to Rome so I could preach to you and give you a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they said to him, We neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, nor uh, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. We haven't heard anything about, about you coming, either by way of letter or from those coming here. But we desire to hear thee of, uh, to hear of thee what you think. For it's concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And so it is with the true church of Jesus Christ. It's always been spoken against everywhere throughout the world. It is now and it ever shall be until Christ comes to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, and to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets of the Old Testament from morning until evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they had agreed not among themselves, they departed. After Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost, the uh, uh, the Isaiah the prophet, unto our father. So he quotes his prophecy from Isaiah, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and, hear, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is, is wax gross, and their eyes are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation is God has sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear. The Jews have had their opportunity. They have rejected it. Now the gospel is taken to the Gentiles and they shall receive it and they have by the billions over the last 2,000 years. And when they had said these words, the Jews departed in great reason among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house there in Rome and received all that came in unto him. 
preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ, which all confidence, no man forbidding him. What a great lesson. What a great life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, it seems to be from what we understand. This was not the end of his life. Uh, he's then uh, set free after two years in Rome. He, he pre continues to preach the gospel until ultimately he, under different circumstances, he's then um, uh, killed in in Rome uh, later on. Okay, so great lesson once again. A mighty prophet and apostle Paul and just seeing how God was able to use him uh, to begin this great religion we call Christianity. Excuse me for a moment. And so as we like to do in each of these uh, videos at the end, we like to extend you a personal invitation from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to, as he said earlier, to repent, to come unto him, to become baptized in his name by those who hold the praise and authority of God so you can receive a remission of your sins, so you can be uh, set free from spiritual bondage and spiritual decay that you, and spiritual weakness and illness so that you can get back on that path that leads back to our Heavenly Father's presence. We'll leave in the description of, the, of this video a link. Just go ahead and click on it. Let the missionaries of the church know you're ready and willing now to take upon you the name of Jesus Christ and be baptized in his name by those who hold his priest and authority of God upon the earth. And we also like to extend invitation to those of you who have fallen in activity in the church. We welcome you back with full harp and arms. Just go ahead and reach out to the members of the church, to your elders, quorum president, your Relief Society president, your bishop, whoever it is. And say, please, take me by the hand. Drag me. Help me. Help me get back to the church so I can become, once again, in um, full standing and uh, as a member of the community of the saints of God in these latter days in preparation for his return to the earth as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Of him we testify to you this day and throughout the world. We also Ask God to pour out his special blessings upon your heads that you may have safe shelter overhead, that you may be healthy and strong in your lives, and that God may open the ways for you to go forward in your life to be able to serve him among your fellow uh, men or woman uh, kind and, and to be able to reap the benefits of what God is able to miraculously do through you and touching the lives of those throughout the world. Of him we testify to you this day, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.